This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. As the lights come up, we welcome you to Relevant Life Church. Welcome online. Uh, it's good to see you. Good to, be, good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? How many love Jesus today? Yeah, that's pretty good. I think you could do a little bit better. How many love Jesus today? Yeah, there we go. Good to see, good to see uh, some that I haven't seen for a bit. Good to see some new faces. Hope I could get to connect with you um, as the service ends in just a, just a little bit here. We're going to have an amazing word that's going to come. But I want to remind you, I want to give my little plug. Uh, we've heard a lot throughout COVID of the disconnection of relationships and lack of community. As we step back in, how many know the community is important? You need to do church together. And as we step back into activity and functioning, uh, we're providing events that are going to help promote that community. And this Saturday is going to be one of those events. So women, as, you, as we've heard your voices, as we've heard the, the loneliness, the isolation, we want to call you back to community. I'm not going to be here because I'm not a woman, but all the women are going to be here, and they're going to be here for community. And it's going to be a time of fun, going to be a time of relationship, a time of laughter. And I guarantee this, you are going to be challenged by our speaker, Phoebe Herndon. She is an amazing woman that loves God and has a powerful testimony, and she's going to challenge you. So women, if you have not registered, if you've not signed up, today is a day. Everyone say, today is a day. Uh, I think right now there's about 30-something that are signed up, and we, we have a lot more women than that. So please get on there and sign up. You don't want to miss it. And also another avenue that we're using is Allie is starting our, our young women's Bible study this Thursday, and she is doing a rocking job with our young adults. Amen? Come on, give her an applause for that. Would you do that? And this is one more opportunity for you to step into relationship, one more opportunity. I know it's early in the morning and something that, that that's of the devil, but I come to tell you today that it's truly of God himself, uh, that morning, mornings are good. So come, if you can make it, come. I forgot, is it South Campus? This is going to be at South Campus at 6.30, right? And you need to register today. Make sure you go onto our app and do that. Anyway, everyone say Register. You want to be here. You want to join whenever we're, we're going to be starting ramping up community activities once again. And we need you to be present so that community can be fulfilled. Because I need you in my life just like whether you like it or not, you need me in, in your life. Right? And so uh, we're glad. To, glad to, amen. Hey, thank you. Some, someone likes me anyway. It's not just my wife. Sometimes she likes me. Sometimes she doesn't. But hey, she's stuck with me going on 36 years. Right? Yeah? Good stuff. We've, we've had a rocking year last year, but we've overcome, and, and we're overcoming. Today, we're here for part number three. Everyone say part three. Part three of playing the long game, and David Charles Sasser, Hoyt, Ballou, Smith, uh, all those names that we could go down the list of, but I got them all out of order. He's coming to preach the word this morning. Would you welcome him as he comes? It's a long walk up here. <laughs> kind of tired. <laughs> if you guys want to know more about my name, z names, you can talk to me after service because that is a whole sermon in and of itself, as you can tell by all of the names that he called me. And yes, all of those names have been my name at one point in my life. So like Pastor Kevin said, we are entering week number three of playing the long game. And how many people have enjoyed the sermon series so far? 
Yes, if you're not raising your hand, then you just haven't even heard any of it because it's an amazing sermon series. And I have the privilege of speaking today to all of you. And Pastor Kevin preached last week on who is your coach, and that is God. God is our coach. And today I'm going to be bringing, I'm not going to tell you my sermon title yet, so suspense, okay? That's what we're working on right now. So playing the long game, uh, the definition that we're using right now for playing the long game is taking the necessary steps now to set yourself up for long-term success. Everyone say long-term success. Great job, everyone. Okay, so I was thinking about this. I'm like, okay, that's that's a good definition, but what does that mean to me? Like, how am I going to make this my own? So I have yet another definition, but it's the Sasser version, so the SV version of this definition. It's playing my game of life with the end of the game always on my mind and my heart and shown in my actions, right? So it's always on my mind. It's in my heart, right? It's seated in my heart, and so therefore it's something that I live out every single day. It's, it's like leaving your legacy, right? You live your life in a way that you leave your legacy. And a lot of, a lot of us that have kids, you know, you can kind of relate that to, to like your kids. Your kids are going to hopefully outlive you, right? That's the norm. Our kids outlive us. So our kids take our legacy. In some cases, take our name. I have two girls, so my last name will not be taken. But again, I've got enough names. I don't need to spread more. <laughs> but my girls they're going to be a a legacy of me, right? They're going to outlive me. The things that I have taught them, they're going to live out the rest of their lives. But it's not just what I have verbally taught them, right? Because if you're a parent, you know that you can talk until you're blue in the face to your children, and they still don't do what you tell them to do. Everyone says, (laughs) amen. All right. But it's, it's how we live. It's what we live out in front of our children. That is what they're going to copy and, and repeat throughout the rest of their lives. And some of you are wincing right now going, I need to change my life. And that's what we're talking about, changing our lives. So how you live your life now will affect eternity for you and for those around you. Mark Batterson, who is a, a pastor and an author, he actually says, in, in his book, uh, now I forgot, Winning, Win the Day, Win the Day, he actually says, how you do anything is how you will do everything. How you do anything is how you will do any, everything. Sorry, I almost got that messed up. Everyday decisions have an infinite impact, right? We're talking about this finite and infinite right? So we're living a very finite lives. There is a a definite end to all of our lives, hopefully not soon, but there's an infinite destination outside of our lives. As we are believers in Jesus Christ, we have this eternity that we get to look forward to. But even past that, leaving a legacy like this infinite, like legacy that we get to leave here on this earth, even after we die. And that's how we live our lives so that it affects eternity for us and those around us. So we are living finite lives, but playing by infinite rules with an eternal purpose at stake. So what we do here matters. Everyone say, what I do matters. matters. How we do that 
also matters. Say, how we do matters. I just wanted to see if you guys could say how we do, right? How we, anyways. We're just trying to have some fun, people. <laughs> so this is why I'm, I'm, I'm preaching today. And now my sermon title is Living the Fourth Quarter Lifestyle, right? So Living the Fourth Quarter Lifestyle, if you think about like a football game or any other game that would have four quarters, right? Most of the time, the teams, whether you're in the lead or whether you're behind in score, they play their hardest typically in the fourth quarter, right? Because you want to either maintain that lead or you want to try to attain victory. So win or lose, most of the time what you're doing is you're playing your hardest in the fourth quarter. So what I want to do is I want to challenge you that every day you should be playing your hardest for Jesus. That in every way our lifestyles should, should point towards eternity, right? Not this finite life, but an infinite life. So I use the word lifestyle not just because, um, you know, you push really hard at the end of the game, but it's something that we do every single day, right? Because every decision matters. Everything, what we do and how we do, it matters. And so the, the end of the game, the fourth quarter, ultimately is when the game is won or lost, Right? That's when the game is won or lost, but you can't discount what it took to get to the fourth quarter as well, right? So the, the athletes are working hard first, second, third quarter, and then at the end, whoever's on top wins, right? Whoever has that greatest score, unless it's like golf or something, whoever has the lowest score wins, but whoever has the greatest score wins. And I'm not talking... Don't get me wrong, I'm not talking to the older generation here where, where you might be thinking, hey, I'm kinda, I might be in the fourth quarter of my life, and maybe this sermon's geared towards me, but I, I don't want it to be a sermon just for the older generation, and I don't, want for, I don't want people to check out, right? I don't want you to check out if you're not kind of in that older generation. This is still applicable to you because God wants the best from us every single moment of every single day. So please, please don't check out. So what we live for and how we live for it matters the most. What we live for and how we live for it matters the most. You know, keeping up with the Joneses is not something that God necessarily asks us to do. Right? That's, that's something that's very much a world mindset. It's something that, that he does not ask us to do. He does not ask us to strive for something in this world. He does not ask us to do worldly things. He asks us to have a mindset and, and strive with our actions to something that is more infinite. Galatians 5.17 says, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. That you don't get to do whatever you want. You do, right? Because God gives us free will. It's a free choice. But God's telling us that if we, get, if we just decide to do what we want to do, then we're probably going to make the wrong decision, 
right? Because we live in this world, and so we're going to make worldly decisions. But if we live with this infinite mindset, if we live with this fourth quarter mindset of, God, I'm going to do everything for you, I'm going to push hard until the end, right? And who knows when the end is, but I'm going to leave this legacy. How we are to live a finite life with an infinite outcome here on this earth. How, how do we live this fourth quarter lifestyle? How, how do we do that? I think, I think a lot of us, as we're talking about actions and the choices that we're making, a lot of us can realize that we've made a lot of mistakes in our lives. I know that I've made mistakes with my, with my girls, with my wife, with my friends, with probably some of you, and I apologize publicly to everyone online and <laughs> and in person, if that has been the case. But we all have regrets. One of the, the biggest regrets that I live with uh, has to do with my, my grandmother. And we were living in uh, Kaiser at the time. This is years ago. And she was living in a care facility in Kaiser, not, not too far from our house, probably like a half mile or so. And I'll just be honest. I didn't go and visit her as often as I should, right? But it's, it's very much because I didn't like seeing her in that place. Because anyone relate to that? Like you don't necessarily like going to see somebody in a hospital or something like that just because you don't like seeing them in that location and, and what it's, and, and how they're living, right? Because it's not, it's not what your memories tell you about that person. So anyways, I had this <clears throat> like really selfish kind of perspective of like, I don't want to see her in this way and in this light, so I don't want to go. Well, one of the times Tiffany is like, hey, I'm going to take the girls. We're going to go see, well, I'll tell you this. My grandma, we called her mom-mom, okay, because she's our mom's mom. So that was super creative. <laughs> it stuck. She had a license plate that said mom-mom. Anyways, um, so I went, I, they were going to go see mom-mom, and I would always find a way to make up some excuse or some reason, some thing that I had to do that I couldn't go, right? And so I told Tiffany, I'm like, oh, I've got this thing, right? And she's looking at me. <laughs> you husbands out there, you know that when you're trying to get out of something and you tell your wife, no, I've got, you know, such and such to do, they, they know they, they know that you're just trying to get out of it, right? They, they know that. So she had that look on her face of like, I know what you're doing, right? And so I'm looking at her, she's looking at me, but I held my ground and I'm like, no, I got to do this, you know? And so they went, she took the girls and they had, I'm assuming a great time. It was years ago. I can't remember. Anyways, I, I regret that because that was the last visit with my grandma. She passed away not too long after that. And I have to live with that the rest of my life. And so our actions, what we do, and how we do it matters. Right? Sorry, I'm getting a little emotional. <laughs> Galatians 6-7 tells us <clears throat> that we are all accountable for our actions as individuals. And it reads, do not be deceived. God, can, God cannot be mocked. 
A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Right? So even God is going, no, like what you do matters. Like, are you going to do it in, in this fleshly, earthly world? Like, are, are you going to live this life that is very much a self-fulfilling life? Or are you going to do something in the Spirit and for the Spirit and something that points us more towards eternity? Because that matters. And it matters here because God's telling us that if we do this and we persevere through this, that we will reap a harvest. Right, That people's lives will be changed because of what we do. Because what we live for and how we live for it matters the most. Can you imagine, let's look at Paul. Paul from the Bible, right? Let's look at his life. Can you imagine if Paul, at the end of his life, all of a sudden was like, no, I can't do this anymore. I've pushed so hard for a long time in my ministry. I, I've, I've gone through so many hard things. I, I cannot keep writing these letters to the church. I, I, gotta, I, I just got to take a break. I just can't do this anymore. Can you imagine how, how differently Paul would be this author that wrote so many books of the Bible and has taught us so many things if he would have given up at the end, if, if Paul wouldn't have lived this fourth quarter lifestyle. Today, I want to bring three simple truths about, and not, not just about, but how we live this fourth quarter lifestyle. And the first one is know your why, right? Because I, I think as, as athletes, strive for the win, that, that's their why, right? They want, they want to win. They want the fame. They want the glory. They, they want to be the man or the woman, right, in their sport. They, they want their team to win. They, they're striving for victory, a trophy, a belt, something, right? So we, as Christians, to, to learn this fourth quarter lifestyle, how we continue to keep pushing forward through all of the obstacles of life, how do we do that? And why do we do that? There are two men that really, really fought, like literally fought. They're fighters. And I want to read you a little bit of their story to, to introduce this point here. So Bowen and Burke entered the ring on a Thursday evening, April 6th. They wouldn't come back out until Friday, April 7th. Burke, who was said to enjoy taunting his opponents, started out strong, getting the better of Bowen over the first several rounds, which lasted three minutes each, and even wobbling him in, a, in round 25. But Bowen was resilient. One of his nicknames was Iron and could not be toppled easily. In round 48, he rallied to send Burke to the floor, but time expired before Burke could be counted out. At an unknown, unknown point in the bout, Burke found himself with two broken hands. 
the likely consequence of repeatedly hitting a man who kept coming forward. From that point on, Burke's offense was hampered. Bowen's was ineffectual. The result became a war of attrition. Arms weary, the men began, began to move in a clumsy manner. Spectators began chanting, home, sweet home. As midnight passed, hundreds began leaving. They had seen enough. The early morning hours gave way to the threat of dawn. A crowd that had come after dinner, dinner was ready to eat breakfast. Burke and Bowen continued their stalemate, circling each other, neither wanting to quit with the belt at stake. It would be discovered later that they had lost nearly 10 pounds each from this effort. After 108 rounds, Referee John Duffy sensed the exhaustion of both the fighters and the crowd. Some had even fallen asleep in their chairs. Hopefully that's not you guys today. He told Bowen and Burke they'd have only two more rounds to try and finish the bout. When the 110th round ended with a, without a winner or even a punch thrown, Duffy waved the fight off, declaring it a no contest and later explaining it was actually a draw. Announcing the latter in the ring, Duffy feared my, men might uh, that sorry that it might mean ticket refunds or worse, a mandatory rematch for spectators. The fight had lasted an astonishing seven hours and nineteen minutes. Can you can you imagine that? I couldn't even stand for seven hours and nineteen minutes let alone hit someone for that long. <clears throat> but what, what were these men fighting for? They were fighting for something. What made them continue on? What made them start on a Thursday and end on a Friday? What made them continue even after having broken hands that they continued to fight each other? Because they wanted that belt. They wanted the title. They wanted victory. Hebrews 12.2 says, And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. This right here points us to our why. The word fix here in Greek is, and I'm going to probably butcher this, but it's like offerau, means to direct one's attention without distraction, to look away from all other things, this, this, is what, this is what Paul is asking us to do. When he's asking us to fix our eyes on Jesus, he's saying to direct your attention. But not just direct your attention, but to focus so hard that everything else around you becomes faded. That your eyes are fixed on Jesus. This is called being intrinsically motivated. It's doing everything for the audience of one. This is our why. This is why we fight. This is why when we get down on our knees, we get back up. This is the motivation that we need to continue living this fourth quarter lifestyle. 1 Corinthians 10.31 tells us, So whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Athletes are motivated to win. 
We should be motivated to glorify God. He is the ultimate prize. Eternity with God is our ultimate prize as Christians. And let me just, <clears throat> let me just say this. We've, we've all been dealing with a lot lately. <laughs> the, this pandemic and everything that has been going on, it's hit all of us. There's not one person that, that has gone unscathed from this. And now there's the war in Ukraine and everyone's complaining about gas prices and it could be worse. We could be living in Ukraine, right? But I can tell you, we've all been dealing with a lot. But God, God isn't requiring more of you. He never has. God doesn't say, give me more and more and more. You know why? Because from the beginning, God says, I want it all. God just wants all of you. And maybe that's hard for you to hear, but it's really just a matter of shifting priorities. Because we have this, this world that we're living in. We have all of these things around us to distract us. But God is saying, if you would just focus on me, if you would just fix your eyes on me, and you could just glorify me, that that is our why. That is why we live this fourth quarter lifestyle. Number two, know the how. So let's go back to Hebrews 12 again, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Man, I love this verse. How many people love this verse? So many great sermons written about this verse. And then I read it this last week, and I'm like, really? Really, Paul? We're just going to throw it off like it doesn't even matter? Like what we've gone through doesn't even matter? Paul, do you, do you realize what we've gone through? Do you realize there's this pandemic that has been happening, Paul? Do you realize that... That, that church attendance has been suffering and continues to suffer. God, Paul, do you, do you realize that the media is lying to us? Paul, do you, do you know how much loss we have suffered? And I can tell you that Paul knew what it was to lose and to suffer. So I, I want to read you for 2 Corinthians 11, 24 through 29. And this is, this is Paul talking about the suffering that he has gone through. Remember what he said. Remember what he said. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run the race with perseverance. So here we go. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Five times, times 39. You can do the math. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. He's in a lot of danger. 
I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led to sin and I do not inwardly burn? This is Paul. It's the same man writing both of these things, going, I've, I've gone through so much, but I have this resolve that I can run this race and I can throw off everything that hinders me and all the sin that entangles me. But how, Paul, could, could you just tell us how we do this? Paul knew what had been done before him. And who had done it? He knew that there's this faithfulness of God in the, in, in the past that led him to believe that God was again going to be faithful to him in the future. And I know we've talked about this before, but if you read, and I'm not going to read it for you today, but if you read the, the last nine to ten verses in in Hebrews chapter 11, which obviously leads up to chapter 12. If you read just before Paul says this, that we're going to throw off everything and and we're going to run with perseverance. If you read right before that, Paul gives you an idea because he goes through all of the, the past greats of Christianity and of the faith. And he's like, these people did it and they didn't even get what they were promised to get. And so why can't I do it? Because I have that same God. I have that same faith. I have the same relationship with God that these people did. So so why not me? And so let's ask ourselves that today. Why not us? Why can't we continue in that type of faith? Because athletes work hard to get where they are. Right? Right? I think some of us have, have an idea of like athletes have this natural ability and they just kind of coast on that natural ability. But re- the really great athletes, Michael Jordan, the late, um, yeah, Kobe Bryant, sorry, his name got passed there. Um, they worked really, really hard in their sport. I mean, they got up before everyone else. They were practiced before everyone else. They practiced longer. They practiced the basics all the time. These were great, great men in their sports. So we need to practice. We need, we need to set our faith into practice. We need to flex our spiritual muscles. We need to shed the extra pounds of this world, as Paul tells us to, because faith is the first step in perseverance. Our faith in God is what gives us this foundational base that we can stand on and we can go, not, no, no, God, you've been there for us in the past. God, your faithfulness is going to carry us, is going to take us to this next level. So God, we stand on faith. God, it's not, it's not something that you have to show us. God, the foundational basis of Christianity is a basis of faith. If you don't believe in God, then how can you call yourself a Christian? Has anyone here ever seen God? No. Because we believe in God, that is our faith-based Christianity. 
We stand on this faith. It's something that holds us up. God will be and always will be faithful to you and to me. And so as we stand on faith, we know God has got our back, right? And the second, second kind of way we, we do this fourth quarter lifestyle is through prayer. That as we got on our knees earlier today, that is, that is a practice that I think in a lot of ways has been lost. Maybe not even getting on our knees, but as Pastor Kevin said, it's a posturing of our hearts, right? We're going, God, I, I submit to you. God, you are to be glorified. God, my faith is, is fully in you. I know that you can do what you have said you're going to do. And it's not just talking to God, but you got to listen. Because as we learned last week, the God is our coach. So if you're not listening to your coach, you're going to be way out of line on your choices. And it's going to be, again, don't do what you want to do. And then dropping, our, dropping the pounds, or as some people say, dropping some LBs, Right? We got to drop the LBs. And once we have this foundational basis of faith, faith that we can kneel on in prayer and we have this relationship with our coach and we're listening to him and we're talking to him, we're in communication. So we've got a basis of faith and communication with our God. Only then can we start dropping these pounds, as Paul says, then we throw off everything that hinders us and then we can run the race with perseverance. Then we find ourselves in perseverance. Once we have faith and we have a relationship with Jesus. And the last thing I want to highlight is, so we know our why, right? We do everything to glorify God. And then we have our how, right? We, we know how to do it. We stand on faith and we get on our knees and we communicate with our coach, right? So then we can shed those earthly pounds. And then after that, we can produce something, right? Because we are planting seeds in everything that we do. We are seed planters. As we go out in this world Everything you do, every choice you make, every action you do, you're planting a seed. You're planting a seed in someone's life. You're planting a seed in someone's heart. It doesn't matter if you're going out to a restaurant after church, you're planting seeds. If you're going to work tomorrow, you're planting seeds. If you go to a university, you're planting seeds. We plant seeds in every aspect of our lives. It doesn't matter if you just want to plant good seeds or, or, or not, like every choice you're planting seeds. You get to choose what kind of seeds you plant. I want to sh share with you one little tiny story about s sowing and reaping. Once there lived a poor Scottish farmer. His name was Fleming. One day while trying to eke out a living for his family, he heard a cry from a nearby wet, muddy ground. He, he dropped his tool and ran to the bog. There he saw a terrified boy stuck to his waist in that black muck. He was screaming and strug struggling to free himself. 
Farmer Fleming saved the boy from what could have been a slow and terrifying death. The next day, a fancy carriage pulled up to the farmer's uh, meager surroundings, and the elegantly dressed nobleman stepped out and introduced himself as the father of the boy Fleming had saved. I want to repay you, said the nobleman. You saved my son's life. No, he said, I cannot accept payment for what I did, the Scottish farmer replied, waving off the offer. At that moment, the farmer's son came to the door of the home. The nobleman asked, is that your son? He replied, yes, proudly. He said, I'll make you a deal. Let me take him and give him a good education. If the boy is like his father, he'll grow into a man you can be proud of. And that he did. In time, Fleming's son graduated from St. Mary's Hospital Medical School in London and went to become the noted Sir Alexander Fleming, the discoverer of penicillin. Years after, the nobleman's son was stricken with pneumonia. And what saved him? Penicillin. The name of the nobleman was Lord Randolph Churchill, and his son's name was Sir Winston Churchill. Sowing and reaping. What we do matters. What we do and how we steward our lives. If you live for the finite, you're not going to steward the things that God wants you to steward. If you live for the infinite, then you're in line with what God wants you to do. Because we're living for something more. We're living for eternity. Heidi Yarby is quoted in saying, every action has a reaction. And everything we do or say has an effect. Galatians 6.9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the right and proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. If we do not give up. If we have a foundational basis of faith, and then we're we're on our knees in prayer with God, maintaining that communication and that relationship with our coach, then in due time, we will reap a harvest. And I think that's what God wants us to do, right? He wants us to spread the news, spread the gospel throughout this land. He wants us to not only maintain relationship with him, but with others as well. And I want, I want to close with one last scripture. Romans 15, 4. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Because everything I'm talking about today, living this fourth quarter lifestyle, and then when we get to this place of endurance... All these, th- all these things, when we live them out, bring us to this place of hope. And it's a hope that goes beyond our, our human physical understanding. Because we know that God is, is here. We know that the Holy Spirit is present. We know that he is able and willing to do more than we could even understand Because God does miracles out of the ordinary. This word endurance that was talked about here in Romans, 
is the capacity to hold out or bear up in the face of dif difficulty, patience, endurance, fortitude, steadfastness, perseverance. This is why we do this. This is why we live this fourth quarter lifestyle is because God, God says, if you live every day like it's your last day, if you make every decision like it's your last decision you're ever going to make, you're never going to live in, in regret and you're going to be able to endure everything that comes in front of you. This pandemic, whatever, God's still good. Amen? Gas prices, eh, it's going to hurt the wall a little bit, but God is still faithful. Right? This is the hope that God offers us, that we can step back and we can go, man, these problems, they don't seem so big anymore because I have a really, really big God. Amen? So let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for giving us such great examples of, of people in the past that have, have lived this fourth quarter lifestyle. God, that we can, we can look in the past. God, we can read your word. God, and we can study about how people have gone in the past and, and how they have continued to persevere and then endure these things, God. It's through connection and relationship to you. God, so I, I just encourage everyone to stand on their Christian faith today. God, and flex their prayer muscles. God, so that we can throw off everything that hinders us. God, that we can get rid of the sin that entangles us in this world. God, that we can live a life of perseverance with you. God, that not, not that we can just, just endure. God, that we can persevere. God, that we can be the light of this world, that we can step out of our own comfort zone, that we can live a fourth quarter lifestyle, God, that would reflect and glorify you above all other things. God, because that's what we're about, God. We're about glorifying you in every way. So I pray that your people do that in every decision that they make. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys for coming. Our prayer team's up here. If you guys need prayer, again, don't forget to sign up for the things that you need to sign up for. If you're a lady, don't sign up if you're a man. So you guys have an amazing week. And remember, glorify God in every decision that you make. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God relate to one another, and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.